Welcome to Success Unlimited with America's success thought leaders, Tim and Tom Simmons. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the journeys of thought leaders, business leaders, authors, speakers, podcasters, and various individuals' journeys to success and the challenges they had to overcome along the way. We are very thankful that you decided to listen in to our podcast. Like and subscribe to Success Unlimited's podcasts and socials to receive updates when new episodes are released. Do you have an idea of who you'd like to hear? Let us know by commenting on our socials or by emailing info at mymentorhq.co. Now, we hope you enjoy this episode of Success Unlimited. Welcome to the Success Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Tom Simmons. And with us, we have leadership coach Nikki Gianni, uh, born and raised in Queens, living in California. And uh, she's going to go through her background and kind of go through some of her challenges and some of her successes. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing great. Uh, trucking along, you know, um, a solo, being a solopreneur is very busy. <laughs> it is. So if you don't mind taking a couple of minutes and familiarizing uh, our audience and, and myself with your background and and how uh, you, the leadership coaching uh, vision and entrepreneurship, how, how all that came into being. OK, sure, sure. Um, so I was um, with the Department of Defense for 25 years. Um, I was active duty for 10 and then civil service for 15. And I was in acquisition for the majority of that time and HR um, sprinkled in there. Uh, and I was a senior leader for 15 of those years, wow. but, a, 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 you know, a supervisor for maybe uh, 18 or 20 of them. Um, so it was like my life, right? <laughs> uh, uh, leading people. And it was so much fun. I loved it. Um, and so when it was time for me to say goodbye to um, to that career, I wanted to do something that I really, so one of the main reasons why I stayed for so long in the Department of Defense was because of the mission, right? It's not lining somebody's pockets, it's right. protecting the nation, right? It's, it's, it's killing bad guys in some way or another, um, which is great to me, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I wanted to like continue to do that and I wasn't sure how to do that uh, very quickly. Um, but I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I can help people and and line my pockets, <laughs> hopefully. So, what, but, was, uh, what was the acquisition? You mentioned that you're, you're with DOD and you were part of the acquisition. What do they acquire? Oh, well, I bought everything from construction projects to uh, $18 billion satellite program. Um, <laughs> I, I awarded actually... I was the buyer. I wasn't the contracting officer, but because um, it's like a you know the judge clerk relationship. That's what the buyer and the uh, contracting officer relationship is like um, in contracts. So I was the buyer for two one billion dollar program um, contracts to Lockheed and and Boeing to do this oh, down select to get the the satellite. Pressure on spending a, a little bit of a going on a shopping spree. Most folks Ooh. like oh, go spend two hundred bucks. You go spend two billion. I know it was crazy. Well, I, when I was dealing with space, that was the the high ticket, high ticket, you know, big time. So, um, but I bought crypto stuff, um, services, uh, depot maintenance, anything you could think of uh, that has to do with 
the, so the Air Force. What is a civil servant versus the what you did at the DOD? You, you made a, a difference there. So right. what, what are the differences there? So I was active duty, meaning I wore a uniform for 10 years. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And oh, um, I was in the military, I, you know, uh, and then wow. I separated from, from, from active duty and I went and did the same exact job for the most part, but with a different uniform on. So I was a civilian. Okay. And oh, wow. so, cause there's plenty, there's lots and lots and lots of civil, civilians that work in the department of defense. It's not just military people um, because we have to support them because they don't have all the skill set to, to stay home and do certain things. So, um, so yeah, that's what, that's what that means. Um, but I got the the cool thing is I got to buy in my my military time into my um, civil service time, so I have a full twenty five years of for retirement. So, oh, that's cool. I, yeah. I didn't know that was an option. They they allowed that to transpire. That that is that's all. That's a huge benefit. It's huge, yeah, because I get I got more leave faster, and you know, of course, I get to you know, counted toward my retirement. So when I turn 60, I get to collect that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So and then, and then you went to, uh, you, you transition from civil servant to, to entrepreneur. How long have you been an entrepreneur? Um, about a year now. Uh, it seems like a lot longer. <laughs> There's a saying that entrepreneurs are the only people that work 80 hours to avoid working 40. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I thought it was going to be easy, but no. Um, I used to complain all the time about the bureaucracy that I had to deal with, you know, in, in government. And now I wish I had it because they would they would do everything for you. You know, you would just be able to concentrate on your thing. And I want to just concentrate on coaching, but I have to do all these other things. So it's it's definitely um it's definitely interesting. I'm, I feel like a toddler, to be honest. I'm like learning so many things, you know, I'm like really walking in this entrepreneur land. Um, but I definitely have a high level of respect for, for these people because it's scary. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. So no paycheck coming, you know, guaranteed. There's no guarantee uh, except for change. Uh, yes. Be think quick, think on your, uh, think quick on your feet and, and mm -hmm. be adaptable to different situations. So would you say to date, what, what has been your biggest challenge you face? Getting in front of people. As an entrepreneur, it's just finding your audience. Right. Getting, get, getting in front of people to be able to, to talk about what I want to do for them. That's not something that I've never, I've ever been trained to do because I was right. the one who was spending the money, you know, so they would come to me when I throughout my whole career, you know, I didn't have to go find anybody. Yeah. Um, I did have to recruit. I was a recruiter for, um, I was an ROTC instructor and, and, a you know, recruiter for the civilian side, but that was easy because I, I had this awesome carrot, you know, that, and I have an awesome carrot too, but it's not as easy to sell for some reason to me. I don't know. I just have to get over that. <laughs> so, so what is the, when you approach a, uh, are you looking for other business owners? Are you looking for a leadership team? What do so, you do? So that's the, that's the hard part to, de to, to determine, right? So I would love to be able to go into an organization and take care of their leadership and, and train them no matter if they're, they're, you know, junior or senior, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but 
because I don't know how to necessarily get into that uh, these companies yet. Um, although I think it might be easier than I think. Um, I was focusing on new to mid-level leaders and entrepreneurs who are brand new to um, hiring, you know, a staff, and now they have to lead people. So that's my focus. Yeah. Well, focus <laughs> could you give us a, I guess, a snippet of some of the tips and some of the things that you advice you would provide a someone that maybe has a, a smaller staff, a smaller company, might be doing, you know, say three to five million dollars in business. Mm -hmm. starting to grow, starting to have some success, some traction. And uh, they're struggling with, again, like a lot of entrepreneurs wearing all the hats, accounting, yeah. HR, operations, bill collector, mm -hmm. everything. So. so when you start growing and you start being able to hire people, take advantage of it, right? I mean, you have to figure out how to, how to get the right people in your, in your shop. But once you have them delegate everything you know, as much as you can. So that way you can think about the things that you, uh, that are most important to the business, whatever those are. Right. Um, and so, and in today's world, uh, so, so in my program, um, I go, I, I, it's the new CEO, new school CEO. Right. So it's like not old school, Right. But new school, right? So we have to adapt and be fast to 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 trust people and to empower people because that's what people want now. They don't want to be, you know, led by the nose everywhere. They want people want to have freedom. They don't want to be micromanaged. Um, so you have to be able to do that, or else you're not going to retain them. Because yeah. it's and it costs so much money to hire people, and time and and yeah. everything else. So you want to keep the people you hire, right? right. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely very important. Empower and trust them. You have to trust them, and they have to trust you. And so the that's way, it, yeah. Go ahead. That's so that's huge. Having them trust you as a leader, you as the organization. Mm -hmm. um, used to be 40, 50 years ago. You you know, went to school, went to you know uh, graduated, went to college. They train you for a job and you're you're at that job for 30, 40 years and you right. had some sense of security. That security has been gone for probably the past decade and a half, two decades. At least, yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a friend who doesn't have a pension. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm very lucky that I have a pension. Um, but yeah, I mean, so you have to be able to, you know, build trust quickly because people are kind of like um, almost one foot out the door. You know, like, okay, well, do I have to jump and, you know, switch, jump ship and go to someplace else because you might not be um, good enough or, you know, not making enough money, whatever the case may be. So it's very, very, very important for a leader to have empathy. You have to have empathy. There was a, a saying that I came across probably last year was 10 before 10 as a, a small business. Uh, make it a goal to delegate 10 tasks or 10 things before 10 a.m. Oh, that's cool. I like that. And you look at your whole day and use Pareto's law, 80-20 rule, right? Right. But look at 80% of non-value add. And that's what you want to delegate so you can focus on the critical moments, the the big wins, the, the, the fires you got to put out. Right. But when you mentioned the one foot out the door, Mm -hmm. uh, or aka plan b yes i think that in part has driven the gig economy where they will 
go out in the Uber or they Lyft or they'll do, you know, uh, on some of these uh, uh, Fiverr and different websites, they have right. a skill set. They'll, uh, what's Moonlight? Is it, is, I guess, the correct yeah, there's avenues. There's avenues to make money, like gap, gap money, I guess you can say, right? Right. Yeah. So I think that's, that's contributed that, un, that not having that security has really contributed to everyone having a plan B and, and all of that. So that's interesting. If, that's a good point. Were to take your leadership principles that you've learned from being in the military, from being a civil servant and having and working around uh, some, some leaders and some folks who has obviously mentored you mm -hmm. in leadership and the, I guess the the reason for a leadership coach is to help them develop a team and develop those skill sets they need to lead a team where they where leadership may not come naturally to them. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, because how many people do you know that were good technicians and they got hired to get promoted because that was the natural progression of things and that's right. what the baby boomer generation did. So and that's what most giant corporations do, right? You bide your time and you get the job eventually. Um, I heard somebody say, somebody said that to me when I was you know, in a resource management job. And I was like, oh no, you just did not say that to me, right? Please don't, do not say that again. Um, but yeah, so, but when these people go into leadership positions, a lot of them don't want to but right. they feel like they have to. Um, so it's really important for those folks to get as much training as possible and to be able to talk about what the situation is, is, is like so they can you know, get it out and not, and not take it out on their employees or their spouses or whatever, you know? Um, and to get some advice, you know? Uh, it, so ICF is a, it's a, a certification. It's an interna international or yeah, International Coaching Federation, okay? And that's like this, pretty much the gold standard for, for coaches, for life coaches, like in that category. Oh, wow. um, so, but they don't want you to give advice. They want you to do pure coaching, which is just like, well, tell me about more, tell me more about that. Well, you know, wh why do you think that happened? Or, you know, asking a lot of questions so the client answers them the, the issue themselves in the end. And it works. But when I'm talking about, when you're talking about something like a leadership coach or a business coach or something like that, where they, people are coming to you because they don't know what the answer is, for real, they don't. <laughs> I think it's important to be able to, to give them the answers so, um, or give them guidance. Um, so I consider myself a coach and a mentor. That way I don't you know, break the rules for ICF. <laughs> there you go. The you, you mentioned uh, the word technician, which leads me to the e-myth uh, by Michael Gerber, a book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So I assume based on that one word, how you phrase that, you, you've read that book. Um, what books would you recommend for an entrepreneur or someone that's, that's in a, a, working to build up the leadership skills? So I love this one. It's, it's called It's Your Ship. Okay. And um, it's by a Navy captain. I can't remember his name right now, but I can send it to you. I can send you the link from Amazon. It's your ship. And he basically took this um, this ship that was in dire straits. It was like a mess. No, everybody wanted to get out leave and run away. And, um, and within a two-year period, he changed it completely and he turned it around. And it was mainly because of empowerment, right? So... Um, 
a lot of military, a lot of people think that military leadership is just, you know, you know, uh, very, uh, what is that one called? Um, directing, right? Or, you know, those four different uh, leadership types. But it's not, you know, and but sometimes people still think it is. And um, so they don't give them any any leeway to do anything. So one of the good examples that they had in that book was this kid who was, you know, um, he was a painter, you know, he, and every time you turn around when they got into dock, they had to paint the ship because it was all full of rust. Right. Right. Because these Drop the rust, climb it, paint it. These, yeah. So these, these uh, you know, washers were not stainless steel. And they're in water, okay? They're in salt water. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So they're, of that course, there's going to be rust down there. So he right. goes to the captain and he says, Sir, can I buy stainless steel ones so I don't have to paint these anymore? And he's like, Of course. How much is that going to save us in the long run from paint and from da 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 and time? Right. And so, but, and he said that to somebody before, but nobody wanted to listen to him. He's like, That's the way we do it, you know? Right. That's the yeah. whole, that's the, that's the mindset you don't want. Yes. Yeah. So, and that's a very common government thing. That's the way we, we've always done it. Oh, well, that's even in private industry as well. You remember a, a Blockbuster, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a Blockbuster in every corner. You right. had to go for mm -hmm. the Gen X and millennials that mm -hmm. have no idea what I'm talking about. Blockbuster was a store where they rented a, a VHS tape. <laughs> walk into the store, browse the movies, rent it for three bucks or four bucks and return it the next day. If you right. didn't return it, you got charged like a dollar fifty late fee. Yeah, they'd rip you off. <laughs> yeah. So but Blockbuster um was then replaced in part, started being replaced by Redbox. Mm -hmm. And Redbox was one up by Netflix. Mm -hmm. Netflix was uh delivery, you know, CDs to your door mm -hmm. and a uh, different model. Well, they put Blockbuster out of business. That's right. Because of their thought process and their approach was, it was just, well, this is the way this is always going to be done. Right. And they, they weren't, they, they didn't assess their SWOT analysis, their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Well, right. that was an external threat. They maybe saw it, maybe didn't, if they did see it. Right. It was just, it's just how it's always been done. You know, so going off of that vein, um, which is great. So Henry Ford said, if I would have done what they wanted, they, I would have built them a faster, I would have given them a faster horse. <laughs> right. Right. So with, same thing with the typewriter. I mean, you can think of so many things that are right. so, like non-existent anymore and you have to be adaptable, you know? Yeah. Change is good. Gray is the way, you know, like be happy about it and, and make it, make it a game, you know, make it fun as opposed to terrifying. You know? Right. Exactly. The, um, so that was one book. Uh, it's your ship. Mm -hmm. What was, do you have, do you have maybe one more book that really, uh, just spoke to you? Any, maybe, any of the John Maxwell books are oh, awesome. Maxwell. He's yeah. just so good. He's so wise and, He's eloquent in the way he speaks. And um, yeah, I just, I really love him. Um, anything that you can think of. I have like a, a stack of them over there. Um, but I think the, a really good one, hold on one second. I'm going to look at it right now. Um, is uh, how successful, why, what successful people know about leadership. That's, that, that's what the most recent one that I read. And it was really cool. Awesome. So, 
So what are, so when we were, uh, you, you, you sent something over to me and the question was, um, what is your biggest success to date? And I read an article yesterday about the pay range and, you know, going from like a, uh, just the different branches of the military and their duties, what all entailed. But you say one of your big, biggest successes to date was getting promoted to GS 15 at mm-hmm. 34. And right. mostly when you're getting into those higher numbers, you have to be there for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. Right. That's how it used to be. Promoted at 34. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you go into a little bit of that? Sure. Um, so we had this crazy bathtub effect is what we called it in contracting, um, where all of our knowledge was leaving, right? And it was, mm-hmm. it, it, there was this big void, right? Of, 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 of lack of, um, of leaders. They were just dropping out. They're like, okay, peace. I'm leaving, you know, <laughs> I'm done with this nonsense, you know? Uh, and so the young ones were left behind. Right. And, uh, I actually, I just was in the right place at the right time. And I worked hard, you know, and I really loved my job. And so I was able to progress very quickly when I became a civilian. Um, so what I, I can't got out as a captain, which is an Oh three. Right. And I made it to an Oh six equivalent in like two and a half years. And that would have taken me like 15 years to do, you know? So, um, because they don't, they have different time and grade requirements. So yeah, and it was awesome. And uh, I was one of the youngest people that that ever got it in that organization, you know, me and the the, one other guy, he was, um, I think he was 32, but yeah, both of us got promoted at the same time. And um, it was a big deal, you know, GS15 is in the government when that's the pinnacle, you know? I mean, you could go higher with the general equivalent, right? As SES, it's called senior executive service, but that's a whole different ball of wax, you know? So, so yeah, and I got to, then I had to leave. <laughs> I, I married an army guy and he got promoted at the same time I did as well. And he, <laughs> so he had to move too. Oh so my I'm God. like, dude, man, come on. So we went to, um, we, we kind of tried to map it out as best as possible for my career. So we went to San Antonio and I stayed with the same organization. So I had to take a downgrade, but then the chief left six months after I got there. And so I walked into that job and I, I did it for like free for like a month, a year and about a year, just like I did the other one a year. So I worked for free. You work for free. You get promoted early. (laughs) There you go. Moral of the story. That, yeah. is, that is that is impressive. I don't think so. I have some uh, uh, some family members that have been in the military. I've done some research on. Um, so it's always intrigued me the the rankings and how how they how they rank folks and uh, mm-hmm. serve folks. It that is very very impressive. Oh, thank you, thank um, you. I'm very proud of that. So, in, in your in your life. Just in, in not just military or an entrepreneur, what are some of the, the, the toughest challenges you face and how did you overcome? Well, I've been stationed at eight different bases, okay, over 25 years. So I moved a lot. Every three years. 
Yes. Yeah. And th three of the states I lived in twice. I've been in 10 states and I've lived in three of them twice. Um, but yeah, so eight different bases and every base. So even if it, most of them, almost all of them were Air Force, except for one, I, I, I went to uh, Navy was my last assignment. And uh, you would think Air Force is Air Force. No. And people are different all around the country. So I'm a New Yorker. Okay. The Northeast people have no filter, okay? <laughs> like, like we are very blunt and honest and to the point we don't we don't dance beat around the bush, you know? Um, we just don't have time for that, I guess. Uh, and I like it that way because it's easy, right? You might get your feelings hurt a little bit occasionally, but at least it's over with and you can move on. Well, the rest of the country does not think that way. <laughs> so going to San Antonio from Boston was very challenging. Um, they thought I was mean. They thought I was talking down to them, you know, this and that. And I'm like, guys, I'm like the nicest person ever. What are you talking about? <laughs> where that came from, where New Yorkers and Northeast, it could be from standing out in the cold, having so we got to say quick to get back inside maybe. I, I don't know. But I think it's just the people too. This, this it's condensed, so you have to be move fast and think fast, you know. Yeah. Um, but I adapted, and then they didn't want me to leave when I had to leave. So, um, which was really nice to hear because my the guy I supported, the colonel I supported, didn't recommend me for the promotion. Oh and so I walked over there, and I'm like, "Why didn't you do it?" You know, and he told me all these ridiculous things that had nothing to do with my performance, nothing. Wow. And it was just like silly stuff. Like he's like, oh, well, you have this big cup that you you bring on the, the, the conference room table. And I'm like, what? I went home and I told my 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 ex-husband and he, he was like, I was like, yeah, so I'm going to bring an even bigger mug next time, you know? Yeah. That is so, that's so New York. <laughs> he's like, don't do that. <laughs> like, I was going to bring those 64 ounce ones from Circle K, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and then he didn't want me to go. He's like, Nikki, it's bad for your career to go. And it was, it was yeah. bad, but I had to, you know, stay with the family. Right. So, um, cause I took a downgrade to get there and I never got to go back up again. Um, but that's okay. But yeah, so, uh, move the whole point of me telling you all that was moving, um, and being the new guy all the time right. can be challenging. You know, I use it to my advantage as much as possible. Um, and I went over people fairly quickly. You know, uh, I'm very empathetic and you, you basically have to be empathetic to them and you have to listen and you have to tell them, you guys are the ones who are doing the work, not me. I'm here to support you. So you need to tell me how you want to do it. Right. And it worked every time, you know, I won them over and um, we, we, we end up having great organizations that were in the tr in the trash can before I got there, you know. So it was a lot of fun to see them morph into into goodness, um, and just a leadership. I mean, I'm not a fantastic contracting person. I mean, I I don't have a lot, you know, in uh, you know work, tactical experience at the with contracts, but I have the leadership skills to be able to navigate things that uh, it doesn't matter if you have that skill or not. So I guess the you're an effective communicator. You know, you get, yeah. and you you communicate using uh, being direct, but also showing empathy. Right. Yeah, you have to come up your style there. But um, so 
how would you, how do you uh, define success? What does success look like for you? That's a really good question. Um, I think for me, it's happiness and joy. You know, I mean, so no matter how, what you have to do to get there is another story, right? Because you're, right. you're, you're happy for different reasons in different parts of your life, right? Um, so happiness for me now is, you know, being, I have a beautiful house in Southern California. I have a great son, you know, and I'm doing this thing that I've wanted to do for so long that, I mean, I'm going to get to do it. Can you lead teams of people consistently for 25 years, you pick up things that can't really be taught. It's uh, some of it's just uh, the small nuances, the things that just uh, maybe the thought process, things that is being part of a larger organization like the DOD. I mean, it's a smaller organization, right? It's not very big. Oh, no. That's <laughs> okay. You, you, budget, you know. Uh, part of defense is, is a massive organization. When you're part of a massive organization, you pick up and you learn how a large corporation or a large bureaucracy works. And right. For you to be noticed, stand out and excel and lead teams of people, you're going to make a great coach. It's just, it's, it, you pick up so many nuances that you can go to the ICF and they can't teach you some of the things you've learned. No, they can't. They can't. And that's what I want to share with these with my clients is, you know, these are the things that I didn't know when I first started or even in the middle, you know, I mean, that why put you through the, the trial and error? Now, granted, I, I must say, if they're like most people, they might have to learn it themselves anyway, but at least they know about it. Right. At least I could tell them about it um, because then they'll be more prepared when it does happen. Um, but hopefully they won't do that like teenager type thing and, you know, have to do it anyway, <laughs> like my son. But, um, but yeah, I mean, all these little things that I learned and I learned most of them from bad supervisors. Then what not to do or what to do from mm -hmm. what someone else's mistakes were. Right. Right. I'm like, oh my Lord, that is not a good thing to do. I'm never going to do that. And I'm going to do exactly the opposite, you know? Um, and it, it stuck with me really deeply as opposed to when you have a good supervisor and a good boss, it's kind of just like easy, right? You know, you don't have to worry. You don't have to, you're not on your toes or necessarily all the time. And um, so, yeah, I want to be able to share that with people and um, save them some pain. <laughs> so last question. And I love this question. I'm going to ask you if you could have one person either in the past or present, you could take to dinner or just have some time and just and talk to them. Who would that be? And what were some of the questions you'd ask that person? Oh, hands down, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. That's a new one. Why? He's, he's my hero because he is the epitome <laughs> of the American dream. Um, you know, I, I was a, a, a bodybuilder for, you know, 15 years or so, like when in my young days. Uh, yeah. And um, he was the god of bodybuilding, right? And so whenever oh, we didn't want to go, what's that? I said him and uh, uh, Cole. Uh, uh, um, Ronnie Coleman. Ronnie Coleman, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so whenever we were like, didn't feel like working out, we put on pumping iron, you know, and watch that documentary and be like, okay, we got to go get the pump, you know. Um, but then for him to like come to the United States and, you know, make millions before he even was in t TV and in movies, you know, with real estate and, and whatnot. And um, then to be the, I mean, the governor of California, I mean, really? Like, that's just insane to me. You know, I got to vote for him when I lived there for the first time. It's yes. just, wow. They were even talking about like changing the constitution for him to be president and stuff. That's a little crazy, but um, but no, he's he's so smart and he's so funny and he knows how to have, you know, um, discipline and focus. I mean, you don't get to do what he does just by having the time, you know? Um, so what I would ask him, I don't know. I, oh God, I would ask him so many different things. I think, um, I guess I would ask him how he stays disciplined even when he doesn't want to do something. You know, what what is his trick? What is his thought process? Um, because that's a very difficult thing to get over. You know, yeah. um, sometimes, yeah. So that would be interesting to know. Well, if you ever meet him, we'd love to have him on this podcast. <laughs> I'll let him know. I'll let him know. <laughs> Maybe we'll run into him in Venice. You know, I live in Southern California. So, yep, there um, you go. and he, he rides his bike around there, you know. <laughs> oh, that's really. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, he goes to so the gym. Cool. Well, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we'll see you uh, next time. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tom. I appreciate it. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. We hope you enjoyed today's interview. Every week, we release two new episodes. Remember to follow Success Unlimited's podcast wherever you listen. Thanks again for listening in. Mm -hmm.